If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. Rap critics saves money, cash. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with in your zapatos, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, critics, you can kiss my whole ass. Oh boy, episode 130, DFS MVP, Holden Kushner, TJ Hernandez, 4 for 4s, Pat James, 99 problems, TJ, how'd you come up with this one? Uh, well, uh, I mean, I was just scrolling the old uh, the old DFS MVP playlist and noticed we were a little light on the Jay-Z, um, and we had... Uh, uh, 99 stats and a Mitch 8-1 from mm. John Paulson earlier for his offseason article. So 99 Problems, Jay-Z Black Album 2003 uh, seemed fitting. As always, you could find that on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP. Uh, if you haven't signed up for 4 for 4 yet, same thing, DFS MVP. That's the code to get yourself 25% off of the DFS. Uh, remember that DFS MVP promo code is only good for the dfs sub and while you're on four for four you might see that we've been talking about underdog underdog is a new place to play fantasy football for real money it's underdog fantasy play best ball from your phone or from your computer right now they're running a one million dollar best ball mania tournament go to underdogfantasy.com or search underdog fantasy in your app store use promo code four for four that's number four fr the number four while you're there and make your first deposit to let them know that we sent you and every week i'll be doing two live streams of uh underdog best ball mania uh drafts uh this week Pat James, DraftKings uh, extraordinaire, writer at 4 for 4, uh, writer also at the new fantasypoints.com with our uh, our close friends over there, host of the Ride in DFS and Betting podcast. We're going to have Pat to uh, on to talk about some research he's done on DraftKings NFL DFS this offseason. We had him talk about it last year. Uh, we're going to do an updated version this year. Pat What's up, man? What's uh, going on? What you been up to with uh, no sports? Well, you got golf. You got golf a little bit now, huh? Yeah, we're doing some golf on the podcast. I'm just happy that this season's going to get underway, whether it yeah, lasts man. or not. I don't know. But, um, you know, there was a point where I didn't know that we'd be having this conversation. So I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, at the very least, it looks like we're going to start, huh, Holden? Yeah, thank God. I mean, I think we'll get through it. Somehow, some way, we'll get through this. Uh, here's what we do usually. Once the season starts, we're going to go through our core plays at each position for the main slate. Then we do a theory segment. Today's going to be like a gigantic theory segment. And we got a new guest on every week. And here it is, Pat James. Pat, how's your balls doing, buddy? They're good. Yeah, it's good to hear. Uh, support for <laughs> DFS MVP brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Have you ever tried a lawnmower 3.0, Pat James? No, I have not. Well, you're married, right? And you have kids, so you might want to get one. Get 20% off free shipping with the code DFSMVP at manscaped.com because your balls are going to thank you. 20% off free shipping with the code DFSMVP. At manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com, use the code DFSMVP. We go from Bush to football. TJ, take it away. 
after we uh, trim down the bush, we like oh. to trim down our our DFS rosters, <laughs> and Pat's going to help us with that. Uh, Pat, like we mentioned in the intro, you've been covering um, research on your podcast, basically looking at uh, at the last couple years of data, three years of data for the Millie Maker, uh, I believe the last two years of data for um, for cash games. Double ups are, are the feature tournaments on on DraftKings are the easiest to track, easiest to find. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into some of that there, and then I I actually I did a similar article. You inspired me in the past couple of years to look at this data myself, so I've posted some of it on, on four for four. But uh, mine only looks at at two thousand nineteen, and I think having two eyes on the same data set is really important, just because you get different spins on it that the other person might not see. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Let's start with the big game that everybody likes to talk about, the Millie Makers. Um, obviously, uh, stacking in big tournaments and obviously in a game like the Millie Maker is very important. Uh, so we know about quarterback wide receiver stacks. That's like the most common one. But what are some non-traditional stacks that uh, people try to use, um, that you use, and how effective have some of these stats. What are the stacks and how effective have they been um, in these Millie Maker tournaments? Yeah, so I went back, looked at some of the top Millionaire Maker lineups over the mm. last three years, and one okay. of the things that I that really popped off the page to me was the running back defensive stack, mm-hmm. and only six of the last about 50 Millionaire Maker winning lineups used a running back defensive stack, so I tried to look mm-hmm. into that and see, you know, what might be the reason for that, um, and it's, it's not for a lack of of players using the stack because it's mm-hmm. used pretty heavily. Um, but I think what's happening is, you know, uh, when you think about a running back defensive stack, the main issue or the main reason that people are going to employ that stack is because they think, you know, defense is going to get a ton of turnovers, team's going to be leading by a ton, and then the uh, the running back's just going to get a ton of usage uh, late in the game. But, I mean, if you really think about the NFL game, it's not like Ohio State versus their in-state rivals or, you know, their in-state cupcake rivals, I should say, yeah. Kent, Kent State, right? Kent run, Kent pass, Kent State. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so, what's, so what's happening in that game, right, it's 56-3 to three at halftime. Urban Meyer, um, uh, Ryan Day now comes out, and they do. They just run the ball the entire second mm-hmm. half. So the running backs do rack up 200, 300 yards and three touchdowns. But in the NFL, I mean, most of the time you're not going to see that big of a blowout. I yeah. think most of the time what's happening is teams are pretty much running their traditional offense uh, yep. late into the for- fourth quarter. You might see, you know, just handoff, handoff, handoff the last series or two. So that's why I think um, people are kind of hamstringing themselves with the running back defensive uh, team stack. And I, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. You know, if you think there is a case for it, if you think a defense is going to play really well and there is a running back that, you know, is going to receive a ton of volume, absolutely uh, and, and put it into place and implore it. But I think that, you know, especially in a lineup generator, if you are clicking on force the running back right. defensive stack, that is really capping the upside of your lineup. Yeah, the um, th- the thing that you mentioned is like NFL teams just aren't running away with games that much. Um, I think it's a reason that anybody that's getting ready for like a redraft for a best ball setup is uh, is pointing out the fact that like Ravens were just in crazy positive game script all year last year. You just can't expect that to happen. It just isn't normal NFL. One thing you touched on is that um, you you. It's showing up sparingly in these winning lineups, but you don't necessarily think that people are 
um, are using it sparingly. So like, I, it's it's pretty hard to get a full data set of like how many people are actually doing this because there's hundreds of thousands of lineups in, um, in each week, each millionaire. So you literally be have, have to look at millions of lineups to, to get like an accurate breakdown. But like, how much do you think people are overusing running back defense? And you kind of alluded to it. Like you don't want to just click the lock button on, um, on a running back defense stack, but is there like a, a, a number of lineups that you think it's ideal to use it in? Um, is it a week by week basis? And like, how often are, are you, or what are the situations that you see where you're like, okay, this is a spot where I want to use running back defense. I would just say in general, if you, you know, like, let's say you love Mark Ingram, let's go to the, let's go to the Ravens. Um, you know, if you think that the Ravens defense is going to play well that week, it's okay to include them in uh, a lineup or two. Like, let's say you have five Mark Ingram lineups having, you know, one or two Ravens defense paired up there. Uh, but the issue does come in when I think people read certain uh, certain um, articles that have, you know, general lineup construction advice mm-hmm. and, and running back defensive stack is one of them. So, you know, you see potentially uh, millionaire maker entries, uh, you know, all 20 or all 40 of your entries have a running back defensive yeah. stack. And that's, that's, where, that's where I think the issue comes in. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that, that people are stacking running back and defense. It's just, you know, if you're hand building or if you're clicking on the lineup general and just, you know, making sure, locking that in, that that's a stack. Right. Okay, so Pat, I want to go off script real quick because you brought up Optimizer. Optimizer. I do all of my lineups by hand now. I do not do more than four lineups in a week. I'm not a multi-entry guy. Do you use an Optimizer? You know, I'll be honest. It depends on the week. Um, and just being a dad and being a, uh, a teacher on the side, like there will be weeks where I don't have a ton of stuff going on and I will build my lineups by hand. But then there'll be weeks where I have, you know, 50 contests reserved and it's Saturday and I just have to load up the four four optimizer. So it is a for me, literally, it is a week to week thing. I would much I would much prefer to build by hand, though. I feel like you have, um, you know, just a, a better idea of how you're creating the lineup. And sometimes generators can be a little weird with, um, you know, the way they work and how they stick different players in and they might not know to you know uh spread your exposures of one player across different Mm -hmm. lineups things like that okay so then you know let's get back into stacking them because uh, you can stack a rostered players from both offenses in one game so a game stack how often are winners using that and should we be implementing that into our game yeah absolutely um this is you know along the lines of running back defensive uh, DST stacks. Uh, this is another one that kind of surprised me. Only 19 out of the 49 uh, millionaire maker top teams over the last three years used a, a an opposing uh, offensive player, right? So, quote-unquote, ran it back with uh, a player of the other team. So so I looked into that as well and tried to think, how, why is that the case? How, why might, um, you know, these stacks where you're running it back with an opposing wide receiver or running back or tight end not be hitting at a higher clip and when you think about it i mean if you look at some of the top teams tj alluded to the fact that you know the millionaire maker as well as like the three dollar um 20 max and, and some other tournaments have over a hundred thousand uh entries in it right so 
if you look at some of the lineups that are topping these these tournaments, every almost every single player is hitting their ceiling, right? Every every single player has the fire symbol next to them on DraftKings, and they all have like 25 or more points. If you have five or six guys from one game, you know, unless it's going to be an absolute shootout, 42-38, uh, it's going to be tough for five or six guys in the same game to hit their absolute ceiling. So I think, um, you know, judging by the fact that more than half didn't run it back it's just something just like running back defense like if you think it's going to be if it's saints falcons and you think that it's going to be an absolute banger like the chiefs rams from monday night uh, a few years ago fun. such a fun day oh one that of the was best that, days ever that in NFL was uh, one of the best games i've ever <laughs> seen to be honest um then i mean yeah sure load up matt ryan calvin ridley michael thomas alvin kamara load them all in there but I don't think you should again cap your upside by in a if you're even if you're hand building or if you're using an optimizer, you know, making sure there's an opposing wide receiver, right? So uh, the, yeah. the example that I would use here is like let's say the Chiefs are playing the Jaguars and you nail the perfect Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Michael Hardman uh, stack. Right? You, you can even throw Kelsey in there. If you want to, by clicking or making sure that you have an opposing wide receiver in there, right? You've already used a lot of half space with Mahomes and Kelsey. Mm -hmm. um, so what what's happening is the optimizer or you yourself, if you're hand building, are jamming in Chris Conley or you're jamming in DJ Chark into these lineups. And you know, if it's a blowout and if the Jaguars' offense never really gets going, which could definitely happen in a game like this, you've pretty much ruined the upside of all of your thief stacks um, mm -hmm. by forcing those players. All right, Pat, I wanted to follow up on uh, on something that you mentioned in terms of like how many lineups are running it back or, or using a game stack. Uh, I think you said it was it was 19 out of the 49. Did you notice that uh, more winners have done it in recent years? And I guess in other words, like, is it possibly becoming more prevalent than it has been maybe three years ago? Yeah, that's I, that's something that I was going to add, and that's definitely could be the case. In 2017, five of the Millionaire Maker winning teams ran it back uh, as winners, and then six in 2018, and then half, um, eight of the 16 Millionaire Maker winners that they didn't have a Millionaire Maker in Week 16, but so eight mm -hmm. of 16. So it does okay. seem that it is, you know, steadily, potentially, maybe the the just stacking in general is becoming more prevalent. Yeah, one thing that that I noticed. Sorry, before you you uh, go on, Holden is uh, I looked at this is not DraftKings, obviously, but um, and I, I don't think you dove into this, but just to like build on your to stack on your idea of stacking. Um, I noticed looking at Yahoo recently. I went through all of their winners base their their baller, which is basically their equivalent equivalent of their millionaire, their big contest. Not only were teams stacking like usual um and using game stacks 10 of the 16 or the 17 winners they not only used a game stack or a team stack they also used a secondary stack so maybe like a running back a wide receiver two wide receivers a running back defense from another team so like a lot of teams were not just building one lineup with correlation but multiple correlations into one lineup and like in your intro to the to the four for four articles that you've written in the past you kind of touch on like why you would rather uh build out a couple contrarian stacks than contrarian cores can you just like before we get into the the other talking points like talk about why you do that when you're building your tournament lineups 
Yeah, and just to add to that, most of the the stacks that are winning these millionaire makers for the most part are pretty low owned stacks. Um, mm-hmm. I, it, I'm just just glancing over the numbers. I see a lot of you know sub five ownership on on quarterbacks and wide receivers. But um, just to, just briefly, I mean, if if the the low owned players in your lineup are stacked, you're really only needing to get one thing right right so instead of right. hitting instead of hitting three or four independent sub 10 percent guys that all have the the best day of their life to win you the millionaire maker if it's a stack and they're correlated really that offense in general just has to go off and hopefully those three or four guys that are already correlated you know build a, a monster lineup um just in one game yeah for sure Hey, um, Pat, so you want to be unique when you're playing tournaments, obviously. What about leaving salary on the table? Like, how good of a strategy is that? How profitable is it? So the one thing I would say about leaving salary on the table is uh, you would, I wouldn't say to, and this is another thing, like I'm kind of going against the grain here in all of this advice, like, um, you know, running back defense, you don't always have to do it. Running it back with an opposing wide receiver or, or, or running back, you don't always have to do it. Same thing with leaving salary on the table. 25 out of the 49 millionaire maker winning teams, um, you know, bottomed out their cap, left zero on the table. And, you know, I think that's just another thing that's in the back of a lot of people's minds when they're creating lineups, whether it's hand built or optimizer. Again, you know, in optimizers, you could set it to be 49.9, so you never zero it out. Mm-hmm. I would say don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the lineup as a whole that I think you have to look at um in terms of of unique lineups whether you should leave money on the table or not but more than half of the teams left no money on the table and it's different Mm. like you know like in showdown sure you're gonna have to right there's it's one game there's only like a dozen rosterable guys Mm. uh, essentially so there's gonna be a ton of overlap sure leave a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars on the table in showdown or even like a prime time slate where there's only two games yeah there's gonna be a ton of dupe lineups if you don't so do it but i mean on a main slate when there's 10 14 games you have dozens and dozens of rosterable wide receivers and running backs so the uh, unless you're playing like the absolute chalk at every position i don't really see uh a need for you to you know stand true to uh necessarily leaving money uh, on the table all right i want everybody to say hello to their new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money that's underdog fantasy they offer season-long best ball contest you can do from your phone or your computer with best ball all you got to do is the fun part forget about the injuries the trades the waivers the just set all the lineups i mean this is all about tj right here just set it forget it <laughs> wait for the winnings to come in that's that is what tj hernandez is all about yeah on underdog all you got to do is draft and then your best players automatically get selected every week they got a million dollar tournament one million dollars if you draft the best team sign up for underdog fantasy today enter the best ball mania for a chance at a million dollars in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com searching for underdog fantasy in your app store is an option too industry leading mobile apps and website with constant updates to improve the experience it's simple it's free it's unlimited withdrawals be sure to enter the code for the number four f-o-r-4 four for four the number four f-o-r the number four after you make your first deposit tj's hosting live drafts twice a week over the next two weeks on at four for four football on twitter 
So back to actual, uh, let's get into some more DFS strategy here. Before we touch on the cash game findings, you you touched on being unique with salary, but what about the obvious one? So let's look at ownership and how unique you have to be in large field tournaments. And do you have to be different in small field tournaments? And why is chalk seemingly hitting more? So let's do all these, Pat. Let's start with this. Start with the large field tournaments and how unique you got to be. All right. So in large field tournaments, you definitely have to be unique in a few spots. Um, Mm -hmm. So and think about it this way. Like TJ said, the millionaire maker, I mean, for the millionaire maker for week one this year, the $5 one has over a million entries, whether it gets to that or not. Who knows? But usually it has about 300,000 entries in it when it's like the $20 millionaire maker. If you have a guy at 2% owned, there's still 6,000 teams that have that mm-hmm. player, right? So you're still, you still have to beat uh, a ton more lineups. If you look at it, you know, in a smaller field where there's, you know, you're playing a three max or you're playing just a, a high dollar tournament where the, the field is low, maybe twenty, thirty thousand $30,000. Number one, the player is going to be lower owned just because, you know, guys don't have 150 bullets to, to spread their player pool out. And then you're looking at a one or two percent owned guy in that lineup. Then you're beating 300, 600 teams. So in large field, in a millionaire maker type, you definitely have to be uh, unique. Specifically, I mean, over the last few years, on average, uh, in 2017, the, the winning millionaire maker lineups had five guys uh under 10 percent and two of those were under five percent it's gotten a little bit chalkier as we've gone on Mm -hmm. i think i think uh you know with lineup generators with you know people being just getting sharper at dfs listening to sharp uh content providers lineups have become chalkier in 2019 there was only an average of four guys under 10 percent um but there's been weeks like week 13 of 2019 the lowest owned guy was a 7.9 uh percent quarterback mm-hmm. and everybody else was over 12 point everybody else was over 11.5 percent so that's a pretty chalky lineup like the two running yeah. backs that week and week in week 13 the two starting running backs on the, the winning millionaire maker team were 40 and 30 percent owned um there was a 27 percent owned wide receiver so and a 24% owned tight end. So that's a massively chalky lineup. What that play, what that winner did though is he left $300 on the table. So in that instance, that's mm. where you, that's where you want to leave money on the table. If you feel like you have a fairly chalky lineup or a fairly chalky stack, then I would say that's a spot where you leave money on the table. Yeah, that that's actually a, a really good call because I think a lot of people they'll they'll see that the chalk hit and they'll they'll just no pun intended chalk it up to one of those weeks where god tj this is just expected. i'm on a roll today. how many guy how many dad jokes are you guys gonna tell i, I can't, <laughs> I can't it, help myself this sometimes. is so ridiculous i'm sorry hey I'll, but I'll while you're down. while you're talking just real quick guys maybe you can help me out I, I feel like two or three weeks the chalk just hits and that's when you're yeah. going off in tournaments yeah well no i mean that but that's that's kind of a good point to like what what uh pat was saying like if if they're just aren't if your player pools may be insanely small and you can't find these low guys that that is the week maybe to think about leaving some salary on the table so i mean and one other note that i just want to make on that like pat just kind of to like build on on what you explained about how um 
how rare or how often we're seeing these low owned guys. Like if you look at the averages, I, I have the numbers in front of me. The only positions that averaged single digit ownership were the quarterback, the wide receiver three and the flex position. So, uh, all the other positions are averaging ownership in the winning lineups um, in the double digits. But uh, I mean that this is obviously for the the millionaire. Like how much how different can our approach be um, in smaller tournaments, or is it changing? Like is there a kind of a threshold where in a thousand man tournament are you still kind of looking for same ownership percentages? In a hundred man tournament, can you just be rolling out your cash game lineup? How you're deferring those approaches a little bit? Yeah, I think the more entries, the more unique you have to be. Now, you mm-hmm. still, whether it's a, a thousand man uh, tournament or 20,000, you still have to be a little bit unique because I think a, a lot of players do think that they can put their cash lineup into, you know, the, the thousand man or into the Thunderdome or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is that you're playing. I think they think, you know, the cash lineup is okay. However, there's going to be a, a lot of overlap on some of those players. So, you know, yeah. I don't have specific numbers. But I would mm-hmm. say, like, if, you know, four, five unique players under 10% uh, projected in a millionaire maker, it seems to be the sweet spot, maybe yep. two-ish um, if, if it's a smaller tournament. But, you know, yeah. like I said, like, there's weeks where you're going, like Holden said, there's weeks where the chalk is just going to absolutely go bananas, and you're going to need to have, you know, five guys that are over 20% owned, um, and those are the weeks to leave some salary on the table. Then there's going to be weeks where, like there, there was a, a few weeks last year where the chalk really didn't hit, and like, you know, we saw a combined ownership in week four. We saw a combined ownership. If you add all nine positions up, of seventy-four point two percent. So that's like it's a, insane, extremely, extremely unique week there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it just kind of like we talk about having. Um, a player portfolio. I think you need to have lineup portfolios. If you're building hundreds of lineups, if you're building five, then I mean, you're just kind of at the mercy of like what you like that week. But even if you're building 20, 40, 50, like have some that are chalky, have some that are very unique and some that are in between, like think about that range of your lineups. But um, moving on to uh, cash games on DraftKings, like what what cash games have you been studying over the last couple years? Um, what does the data tell us about scoring in those cash games, and uh, how has it changed over multiple seasons? Looking at it, yes. Yeah, so I think one thing that is standard industry advice that holds true is uh, with cash games and double ups, mm-hmm. and that is to definitely. Get as much exposure as you can in single entry before moving mm-hmm. on to multi entry. Now, I understand, like if there, if if you're someone that had that plays a significant bankroll, it's going to be very hard to have it all in single entry double ups because there just isn't that many to play. Right. Like I think they create maybe five five dollar ones on the week, um, maybe the same amount for ten and twenty five of those really large ones. You, you just if you're playing a good bit of bankroll, then you really just can't get to them. Right. But for the most part, you have to get all of your double up cash game allotment into those single entries before moving on to multi-entry. Um, in 2018, the double up cash line in single entry was 146.6, and in multi-entry of the same dollar amount. So in the in the five dollar that allows you to put in 50 or 100 lineups, it was 152.3, which is a, mm-hmm. a difference of five points, which is huge. So 
let's talk about the variance in cash lines because you got the single entry and the and the the multi entry. You just talked about that too, but I mean the the single entry again is where everybody that is not. Um, I would say you probably have to be one of the top 10% players in DF. This is just an arbitrary number, but probably one of the top 10% to feel comfortable to go run a train and beat these other guys, right? Like single entry is has got to be the way to go. Yeah, correct. So uh, over the course of the last two years, in the, in the $5, there's a difference of about five points uh, in both years, 2018, 2019. Um, and then if you go down the ladder, it's about the same. In the $10, there's a six-point difference between single entry and multi-entry in 2018 and a almost a four-point difference in 2019. So you're going to see in the single entry and multi-entry contest a lower cash line in the single entry almost every single week. Some weeks when the chalk doesn't hit, uh, you'll see that you know the single entry could potentially be uh, a little bit higher, but it, it, it would just behoove everyone to get all their action into the single entry tournaments. And it makes sense, right? Like guys that are putting in 50, 100 lineups, running trains, as you just said, Holden, into these multi-entry tournaments, they're usually sharp. They usually have very good lineups. And what they're doing is they're taking up a ton of those winning spots and moving the cash line higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, people don't don't think about this properly because if you were in, if you were in a ten man league and you knew and it paid out the top five and you knew you were the fourth best player in that league, you might still play in that league because you you think you have a good shot at at cashing, right? If the top two players in that ten man league were allowed to have three teams and you were still only allowed to have one, you would never play in that league. But then since there's hundreds of thousands of people in us in a multi-entry double up, people aren't aren't thinking that way. They're just like, oh, well, there's 100,000 people in this one. I, I only need to beat 50% of them. But like that just isn't how it works. Like a lot of these guys, like Holden said, are running 150-man trains in the same lineups. And if you get enough of them, like that, that shoots through the roof, right? Absolutely. And, you know, some weeks it's not going to matter, right? You're going to be above the cash line or you're going to be – below the cash line mm-hmm. um, but you know the four or five weeks of the season that you are in that five point differential range right like it, 146 was the cash line in 2018 for five dollar double ups the weeks that you have a, a 149 lineup and you would have cashed in single entry you wouldn't have cashed in the multi-entry right those are the weeks that can can shift you from a profitable year uh to a non-profitable year yeah, just just a couple of those weeks too. Like if you're if you're playing the majority of your your volume in those games, um, it can it can shift your whole season. And uh, I mean, in if you're playing, I think DraftKings calls it either the big or the massive double up. Five points could be the difference of like hundreds of or even thousands of people that you have to jump. It, like five points isn't five people you have to jump. It could be um, it could be a lot of people. One one last question on the cash games. Did you notice like any difference in not not the difference between single entry and multi entry in terms of like that five point gap, but like was there movement uh, between the years? Like, does it seem like the the line is getting high, the cash line is getting higher or lower? Um, say like compared from 2018 to 2019. Um, a little bit in the higher dollar amounts. So I went mm-hmm. up to I went up to a hundred dollars. Um, 
from two to 25, the, the numbers are almost identical, but in 50 and 100, the, the cash lines got a little bit higher in the single entry, uh, not so much in the multi-entry. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Holden, you got anything else for Pat before we uh, get him out of here? Yeah, Pat. I mean, seriously. Like, how long do you think you build your? It takes for you to build your lineups. Like, how much do you spend? Right? How much time do you spend during the week? If you had to guess, probably. I mean, it starts from from Tuesday, right? When I start to mm-hmm. dig into the the writing the DK articles for for four for four. I'll put I'll put some. You know, so I don't even want to call them dummy lineups because I mm-hmm. oftentimes I'll end up using them. Uh, in in uh, in tournaments, but um, probably a, a, an hour or two every single day, uh, about, and then you know, then I refine it all on on Saturday night, Sunday morning. So here's the deal, and and I think if you're a new player and you're just listening to this, you hear the amount of time that we have to put into it. So give a new player maybe some advice how you can take all the info you just gave us and then win some money when they sign up next week. Yeah, so I mean, obviously start small in the smaller denominations, like the two dollar, five dollar double ups, three maxes. Um, even if you wanted, to, if you wanted to try, uh, you know, using a lineup generator and entering fifty lineups or whatever, try the mini max. It's fifty cents. You you don't cost yourself a, a ton of money. Um, but the my the one thing that I would preach to a new player is uh contest selection right what we just said choosing single entry choosing three max um and not necessarily getting too bug-eyed and too uh head over heels for these tournaments at the top of the lobby like the Mm -hmm. millionaire maker i know we just talked about how to go about constructing lineups for it but if you're a brand new player those can kind of suck you in because they have all kinds of stars and, and bells on them and they're at the top of the lobby but you know, playing in a three max, playing in single entry to start and making sure that you are in, in single entry double ups and, and getting a ton of different head to head exposure, right? If you have $100 in play in, in cash games, make sure you're playing, you know, $101 head to head opponents, not just one 100, um, that kind of thing. You know, your range should be exposed uh, widely in, in cash games. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I kind of hit the nail on the head on that. Like, I, I don't know. We talk about we talk about bankroll management, game selection on this pod as much as we talk about player selection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I, I would definitely advise anybody to, especially if you're starting out, um, to use those guidelines to to start selecting your games, and then after you do that, hit rewind, take some notes on on this data because it's it's really important to understand um, and let that kind of guide some of your lineup building process. Uh, Pat, besides your weekly DraftKings breakdown on 444.com, where can everybody find you and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I would love for listeners of this podcast to give the Ride In DFS and Betting Podcast a shot. It's a it's it's a podcast that I used to do from my car um, because I had a 15-minute drive to work, and it was literally the only time there wasn't a child hanging off my neck. <laughs> so, uh, but that's changed, right? I built myself a little bit uh, through all the virtual kind of stuff. I, I kind of built myself a little cave type studio thing. And I've been, nice. I've been finding 15 or 20 minutes to knock out podcasts. So I do still have the podcast going. You won't hear any horns or tractor trailers or anything, which is huge. Uh, good, <laughs> good sound quality now. And then nice. also, if you're into showdown, 
Um, we have some great showdown content on 4 for 4 but I'm also um, doing some Sunday and Monday showdown content on FantasyPoints.com. Love the dudes over at FantasyPoints.com. Uh, while you're on 4 for 4 checking out uh, Pat's stuff, if you haven't signed up for the subscription yet, make sure you use the promo code DFSMVP. That'll get you 25% off of the uh, DFS sub only. Uh, make sure you follow all of us. You already heard Pat at PatJamesDFS. Find Holden at Holden Radio, myself at TJ Hernandez, and, of course, 4 for 4 at 4 for 4 Football. We will talk to you guys next week. Fight the case, so I pull over to the side of the road. I heard, son, do you know why I'm stopping you for? Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know. Am I under arrest or should I get some up? Well, you was doing 55 in the 54. Uh-huh. Lost the registration and step out of the car. You carrying a weapon on you, I know a lot of you are. I ain't stepping out of the door, my paper's legit. Well,